0: My experience of the pandemic is interesting because I feel like it deeply shaped my compositional practice today in a way that I'm 90% certain the way I'm writing today would not be the same if the pandemic didn't happen.
1: Hello, and welcome to Art Restart, where we explore how artists are reinventing their fields and building a new landscape for the arts. I'm Pierre-Carlo Talenti, the producer and editor of this podcast, brought to you by the Thomas S. Keenan Institute for the Arts at the University of North Carolina School of the Arts. In this episode, we'll be getting to know composer Brittany J. Green. Brittany's already making waves in the world of new classical music, but the label of classical composer doesn't capture the breadth of her creative impulses. Lately, she's been weaving a variety of very modern elements, from computer coding languages to black feminist theory, into her work. And she's also been composing in the realm of electronica, as well as DJing her own sets. Her work has been performed at concerts and festivals throughout the United States, including the Boulanger Initiative's Fest and New York City Electronic Music Festival. And last year, she recorded a new piece with the Atlanta Symphony that was released online in January 2022 as part of the Symphony's Concerts for Young People series. She's a recent recipient of the American Academy of Arts and Letters Charles Ives Scholarship and the ASCAP Foundation's Morton Gould Award. And she's currently in residence, not far from me, at Duke University in Durham, North Carolina. Where she's pursuing a PhD in music composition as a dean's graduate fellow. I started the interview by asking Brittany about the doctorate she's currently pursuing. Given that she has a master's in musical education already, I surmised that she was further committing to her teaching career. But how is getting a doctorate expanding her artistic practice?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. So one of the wonderful things about Duke University where I'm at for my doctorate is that there's so much activity on campus, cross-disciplinary activity on campus. And so being able to connect with folks who are videographers, dancers, poets, that has greatly expanded my compositional practice expanded the way i think about music the way i think about music in relation to other art forms and obviously uh, has opened the door for some wonderful collaborations and conversations around creating projects that are interdisciplinary projects and then on top of that just learning about things from a variety of disciplines even outside of artistic disciplines taking classes Uh, that explore feminism or that explore other things and kind of finding ways to connect that back to the music has been really exciting. And that's something I don't know that I would uh, have had the opportunity to do if I wasn't getting my doctorate and kind of deeply entrenched in both uh, this rigorous academic work and this artistic work at the same time, while also being able to connect with other people who are kind of in the same position, but maybe from a different art form.
1: I have this probably completely wrong view of composers as being very solitary until they actually have to work with musicians. But did you have to teach yourself to be this collaborative, or did it come naturally?
0: I did. I feel like the kind of way that we have structured the collaborative process between performers and composers in a classical music sense. Uh, So like, let's say I'm just writing a woodwind quintet and I want a woodwind quintet to play that piece. That structure, that collaborative structure is kind of much like you described, you know, I'm sitting alone in a room, (laughs) I compose this piece and then maybe my school is bringing in a woodwind quintet. Or, you know, maybe I'm in a theory class with a Woodwind Quintet and I ask them, Will you play this piece? And they practice the piece. Maybe I come to a perform a rehearsal and give some feedback and then they perform the piece. But that that is a very different kind of collaborative setup than what you have to do if you want to work with people in other art forms. For one, you don't communicate the same way. So rhythm to me and and what I want to communicate with when I talk about rhythm is different than it might be for a dancer or for a videographer. And so part of the fun in in collaborating across disciplines is kind of learning the language and learning, well, what's similar, what's different? How do I communicate this? How do I communicate that? And then also, you know, you have to do the work of reaching out and and finding folks and connecting with people in a way that is, is different than, you know, when you're just working with musicians. But the wonderful thing about that is I've found that it also has helped me redefine the way I approach collaboration with musicians, um, I think a lot of times it's easy for composers to not view that relationship as a collaborative one It's kind of a one directional exchange of of information I wrote the score I hand you the score you interpret the score but there's so much room for more back and forth collaboration with the musicians you know you can ask them you know I'm going for this here what I have written does that is that clear to you that that's what I'm going for? Or, or are there ways that I can like achieve that more? Because in, instrumentalists, unless you play that instrument, understand the instrument in a more intimate way than we do as composers. Right. And so it's always nice to be able to establish that kind of uh, feedback and kind of looped collaboration. And that's something that I feel like because you have to have that when you're collaborating uh, with people who aren't musicians, because there's just no way that you'd be able to to get things done or get on the same page. It kind of forces you to relook at that. And then you can apply that same kind of approach to collaboration when you're working with musicians. And I've found that that's been really helpful for me.
1: So you mentioned your compositional practice so that we could better understand it and talk about the way you incorporate so many different strands. You mentioned feminist theory, and I know you've included programming languages into your music. Can you describe a recent piece of yours and how you went about creating it? Sure.
0: So one of my recent pieces, Rupture, kind of De- deals with both of those things so right before i began writing that piece i was in the process of learning python and i was at a point where
1: i felt like okay now, were you just learning it for the hell of it or,
0: <laughs> <laughs> so-, <laughs> to do or- so at duke we have to uh know a uh, foreign language we have a foreign language exam and for composition, we're allowed to use com- a computer programming language oh, for that wow. foreign language exam. And so okay. kind of before that, I've used some programming in pieces before, mainly through Max MSP. And so like it made sense for me to pursue uh, a computer programming language to meet that requirement and then also open up a door for including that in my compositional practice, if that I ever came to a point where I needed it. So I was so that's why I was learning Python. And so I was at a point where I felt like, okay, I understand uh, the basics, but I feel like I really just need to jump into a project and see what happens. Because the fun thing about doing a project is it unearths all these questions that you wouldn't have thought of before because you weren't particularly trying to do anything. So I uh, was also interested at the same time in Finding ways for my interest in Black feminist theory to connect with my music, and so I had this idea of well, why don't I build a a Python program that's kind of inspired by some of the things I've been reading, particularly centering around what it means to to rupture or break or disrupt a system. So, building a a program that builds a system and then kind of disrupts it, either in a kind of methodological way or In an unexpected way, or maybe a combination of both of those things. So, I built a program that uh, would take a chord progression and filter out pitches in the chord progression. And so, the way that it works is you feed it a chord progression, it plays through the chord progression normally one time through, and then the second time, once it loops and starts to go through the progression again it only plays pitches that are in the previous chord that are common between the current chord and the previous chord. So let's say you're going from a G7 to a C chord, you would only maintain the G, for example. And then I expanded that to allow it to include extended harmonies that are found in particular, with particular chords. And so I did that and got this kind of interesting groove figure. And then what I had the program do after that is after a certain amount of time, because after a while, it sort sort of starts to repeat the same three or four pitches. So after a certain amount of time, pitches that were filtered out sort of reintroduced themselves and not only do they reappear they also disrupt the rhythm of the of the gesture that comes out of the program so as the chords are are being filtered it's pretty much playing steady eighth notes and then the rhythm gets a little bit more complex either notes get longer or they get
1: shorter or they get weird so each performance of it i'm guessing is completely different cuz you're feeding in different chords to start or
0: yes. So each I each iteration see. is different, even if you feed it the same chord, because the way that the chords are re the filtered out pitches are reintroduced appears random. It's it's not technically random, but it does kind of have a, a randomness to it. And so when pitches are reintroduced, they're not reintroduced the same way. So I ran it several times and got these like wide-ranging iterations and i was listening back to them and i was like you know this sounds like it would be really good source material for a piece and so i decided to write a piece and that was not the original plan but i ended up writing a piece based off of that material and kind of orchestrating it out for for an ensemble and then taking that same kind of formal concept of a system being built and then disrupted and expanding that across the course of the piece. C6 underscore left over parentheses parentheses C7 underscore 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 left over defined as defined as defined as filter parentheses. Unit 3 comma 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 C6 parentheses C7 defined as list parentheses set parentheses unit 3 parentheses minus 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 set set parentheses. So how
1: tell me how does the piece address the black feminism angle? Yeah,
0: so essentially the piece is is looking at what it means for bodies inside of a system to break a system down from the inside out. And so in this case, uh, the bodies would be pitches that are being filtered out, kind of that process of breaking through the musical structure that's established at the beginning of the piece and then completely disrupting it and breaking it down to nothing. The piece ends on a single pitch, a repeated single pitch, is what I was looking at. I was particularly interested in uh, the work of Bell Hooks And uh, looking at the way she spoke about reading oneself in a system in which you weren't supposed to be there uh, and how you can kind of read against the grain, see yourself against that system, disrupt, dismantle, uh, reimagine that system. And so that's really what I was interested in exploring in that piece.
1: How comfortable are you with the label of being a classical composer? Is that at all useful to you? It's interesting. People ask me that question
0: fairly often, and I, I feel comfortable with that label, but I do feel like it doesn't completely capture everything that I do and that I'm interested in. I do obviously write classical music, very kind of typical new music, if you will. But I also do a lot of other things. I love working with electronics. I love doing a lot of. I know and there's a
1: picture on your website of you like DJing, like, <laughs> or scratching or something, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, and so so something that I'm also interested in is performing primarily with live electronics, doing. Improvisation with live electronics, also working with multimedia, uh, doing music for film and things like that. So there's a lot of different things that I'm interested in. I feel like classical composition is only a piece of that pie.
1: When you first committed to becoming a composer, you did you have an expectation of what your career might look like, and how has that expectation changed since?
0: I don't think I had a an expectation. I certainly had like a, things I hoped to do. And for one, when I decided to really start pursuing composition full-time, up to that point, I was composing on the side, but my, my focus and training was primarily in music education. And so... I had great clear examples of like what a music educator was, not so great clear examples of what a living composer is and does, mostly because we kind of traffic a lot in music by people who are no longer living, or in the band world, uh because I was a band educator, composers are living, but they're kind of far removed, you know there's this kind of pie in the sky figure, and so at the at the time when I was decided to, to focus on composition, I really wanted to do band composition because that was primarily what I had been working on. And so for me, I was thinking of.
1: When you say band, I want to make sure I understand band composition, meaning like what is band composition?
0: Sure. Yeah. So composing for concert bands, wind ensembles. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Symphonic bands. And so I was looking at, Composers like Frank Kelly, for example, you know, kind of building a career like that. And when I went to get my master's, I started listening to a lot of different music, analyzing and studying a lot of different music and really kind of got interested in chamber music and electronic and electroacoustic music. And so those things kind of shifted a bit and, and the things I write started changing and then, at that point, because I was deeply wrapped up in the composition world, I started kind of having different ideas about you know what it would mean to to build a career as a composer and and sing different examples of that and so that those ideas sort of shifted a little bit at this point. I think I'm at the the point where I realize that you can have uh, plans or, or goals or like a, an ideal kind of image of, of what you want that career to look like. But some of the most fascinating aspects of building a career as a composer are the unexpected things that happen and the unexpected things that shift your career in different ways. Even looking at the, the type of music I want to write, the type of music I wanted to write five years ago is different than the music I'm writing today. Even the type of music I thought I'd be writing two years ago you know is is quite different. And so just kind of going along with the ride to a certain extent and, and seeing what happens, it's kind of this interesting dance between having a plan and, and working towards that plan, but also leaving space in that plan for uh, the unexpected and and leaving yourself room to allow it to take you where it takes you.
1: Well, speaking of unex- unexpected, I'm wondering how the pandemic affected your work. All the collaborations you were doing probably could not proceed. What? How did you work through that?
0: Yeah. So my experience of the pandemic is interesting because I feel like it deeply shaped my compositional practice today in oh. a way that I'm ninety percent certain. The way I'm writing today would not be the same if the pandemic didn't happen. So because everything was shut down and live performances were suspended indefinitely, it kind of makes it difficult to feel motivated to write acoustic music. And so I had already been writing electroacoustic music, and I had done a a couple of uh, electronic pieces, but I really, really started delving into that during the pandemic. And then also, that's when I started working on performing with live electronics. And so I started improvising a lot with live electronics. I primarily use Ableton Live, so I started really digging into Ableton and studying it and figuring out different ways to do things figuring out how to make it a part of my artistic practice and that deeply shaped uh, my work uh, in terms of one just becoming a performer again and performing with electronics and two also my approach to composition and really kind of implementing a place for improvisation in that approach both in in terms of creating uh, more music that kind of leaves space for performers to improvise and then also using improvisation as a compositional tool as a composer so sometimes i'll i'll have an idea and i'll improvise i'll do maybe 15 different improvisations with that idea and then go back and listen to those improvisations and sift out material to build a piece around Also incorporating electronics into my compositional process, even for pieces that are acoustic pieces. So looking at using programming more, using Ableton as a tool for generating material uh, that I can then pick and pull from to, to create a piece. And so all of those things, I think, would not have happened if it wasn't for the pandemic and just having that space and time to delve into those things. And then also that desire to create music in a way that felt immediate in a way where I could listen to what I was creating instead of, you know, writing something for a string quartet and then, you know, not knowing when I would hear it. So yeah, for me, it really. So when you
1: say you were performing, what did that look like during the pandemic? Were you, were you videotaping yourself or?
0: Yeah. So I would do um, videotaped, improvisations. I did one for the Experimental Sound Studio. I did a collaboration with the International Contemporary Ensemble, where we actually performed a piece I I wrote in 2017 that was a kind of guided improvisation open score piece. And so I worked with a flutist, a harpist, and then I improvised on live electronics. And so we kind of collaborated virtually to put those improvisations together. So one person would improvise, then send their recording to the next person and they would improvise while listening to that and then send to the last person and the last person improvised while listening to the other two performances, putting that together. And then once things started opening up, I started doing those things, but just live. So I performed at the uh, Boulanger initiatives, uh, Woco fest in DC, last year as well as at duke coffee house things like that so that whole kind of performance aspect was not even on my radar um (laughs) (laughs) until until covid and then some of the the ways in which i was creating sound in those improvisations then made its way into the fixed media electronic tracks that i uh, have been composing since then
1: you, you teach, of course, at Duke, and I'm wondering, what insight or skill do you think it's most important to share with those students of yours who might wish to pursue a career in music?
0: For me, a, a career in music requires two very simple things. The first one is being a good listener, and the second one is knowing how to be in community with people. And I know, like, a lot of times when people talk about building careers in music, you know, they're talking about kind of the larger scale things of, oh, you know, if you're a performer, you know, having your excerpts ready for auditions, or if you're a composer, you know, make sure you're writing for this ensemble and this ensemble, and you need to go to this festival and do these things. But I think everything boils down to those two things, being a good listener and being in community. To me, a great musician is... A great listener. So being able to listen to a lot of different things, understand what's going on and remember that and pull from that in your own practice. The more you listen, the more kind of tools you have in the tool shed that you can draw from and use when you sit down to write, either kind of recreating things, creating things that are, you know, the antithesis of things that you've heard, creating things that are complementary to what you've heard, and using those things as tools in your own music. And then I think being in community is the the other piece, being able to uh, build collaborative relationships with performers or with other artists, being able to champion not only your work, but the work of others, to be someone who can kind of help contribute to the field. I always feel like you should give as much as you ask for. And I think that Those two things, if you can do those two things, you can do all of the higher level things that are required and and it'll help you kind of shape not only a, a good career, but a good career that you want. And I think if I were to add a third thing, it would be being open to being open and not letting a particular view of what a career should be kind of pin you down and make you think that you need to do certain things or or, or kind of write certain things, if that is not what feels true to you as an artist. And so being in community with people allows you not only to build a career, but to build a career that feels good for you uh, because you kind of find your tribe, you find people who are doing things that speak to you, people who want to champion what you're doing because your work speaks to them. And I think that that's really important unless you want to burn yourself out kind of doing something that you don't enjoy.
1: If you'd like to learn more about Brittany and read a longer version of this interview, just head to uncsa.edu slash artrestart. The music that you heard during the interview was excerpted from her composition, Rupture, performed here by Mind on Fire, which also commissioned the piece. The audio engineer on the recording was Jason Charney. Don't forget to subscribe or to follow this podcast so as to be notified of all our upcoming interviews with remarkable artists. Our theme music is by Shanghai Restoration Project. I'm Piercarlo Talenti, and on behalf of the Keenan Institute for the Arts, thanks so much for listening.